Hello, and welcome back to the Irish Tennis Updates podcast. My name is Adam, your host. This week, I have been chatting to Gina Nyland. I'm really excited to bring you this episode. Gina is a legend of Irish tennis. She has the most Fed Cup caps, the most Fed Cup wins, and she has been ranked in the top 500 in singles and doubles in the world. I really enjoyed talking to Gina and getting to know a bit more about her early days in tennis, both in England and then also after her family moved back to Limerick. We talked all about the Fed Cup, about her various experiences in Fed Cup over the years, some of the highs and lows of tennis life and life on the pro tour. We also touch on on how tennis is still a big part of Gina's life and also a couple of topics in Irish tennis. Uh, what what has changed since Gina's been involved in tennis and and some of the things that should maybe be done over the next few years to come. Really enjoyed this chat. I think you will too. And here we go. Here is Gina Nyland. All right, Gina, a big thanks for coming on to talk today. Uh, how are things with you? Good, Adam. Thanks. Thanks. I'm really happy to be here talking to you today. As I said, I, we, I've been listening to your interviews over the last while and uh, been really interesting and informative. So I'm delighted that you asked me on uh, to chat today. So thanks. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm delighted to, to have you on. And, and just to start, just to get back to kind of those early days of tennis, I know that your 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 family kind of would have been involved in tennis a bit and, and a very kind of sporty family. So like, if you look back, what, what, what are those earliest tennis memories that you have? Yeah, I mean, would be back in the, in the UK. So I, this story has been told before, you know, by my brothers who've been on, but uh, we moved to the UK in the kind of mid-1970s. And uh, we were living in uh, initially in Croydon near London, and then we moved to Birmingham, where we were for the bulk of the time that we were. And as it happened, we were living across the road from the Edgbaston Priory Club which, in Birmingham, which is kind of one of the most prestigious clubs in the UK and a really big, you know, active, active tennis club. And we literally lived directly across the road from the club. Um, so really, the tennis journey for me started there. I, I as my mum tells it, she sent me over for, you know, the kind of group kids tennis lessons when I was about eight um, and I think the coach there sort of said to my mum uh, that I had kind of good hand-eye coordination you know could potentially be quite good and, and mum kind of took that took that on then and started playing with me a little bit herself and at around the same time my brother Ross who's two years younger than me started playing kind of around the same time so I had him there as well kind of to play with and spar with but but really that yeah the beginning was there in the Edgbaston Priory Club in Birmingham my parents obviously were you know big sports people my dad you know very good Gaelic footballer played for Mayo mum was a very good tennis player interprovincial also county squash player in, in England when we were over there and just we had a general very kind of a sporting upbringing and and that was the kind of what we did in our house so being obviously as I said across the road from that tennis club and then yeah playing with mum as it started off and then Ross got involved um, and a little bit later on, my dad, my dad kind of got involved then as well um, on the kind of coaching side of things. But yeah, it started from there. I kind of progressed in the club, started playing a bit. Ross was particularly good uh, as, as a young junior. So he was the kind of shining star really early, early on. He was a, you know, a very strong kind of under eight, under nine, under 10. Um, and it took me a little bit longer, I think, to get going kind of on the tournament side of things. Certainly under 10, I don't think I was showing any huge promise at that stage. But by the time we kind of got to under 12, I, I kind of improved quite a lot. 
And actually in my second year under 12, which is our last year living in Birmingham, I got picked, I think over that winter, I got picked for kind of the regional squad, the Warwickshire squad or something like that. Um, and in the April uh, of my last year under 12, the British under 12 championships were on in Edinburgh. And I went up and played in that and I was unseeded and I actually got to the final of it. So I made a kind of a big breakthrough over that winter uh, of my last year under 12. And it really kind of kind of went on from there. As a result of getting to the final of that, I was picked to actually play for Great Britain. We were still living there at the time, so I was eligible to play. So I went over to France and played the European under 12 championships in July, that would have been oh, 1984, so a long time ago. Um, and we actually then, we actually moved back to Ireland then about two months later. Uh, so we were back in Ireland then, end of August, uh, beginning of September. And that would have been me, the time I would have been starting secondary school. So my parents were Irish. Uh, they had always intended coming home at some point, uh, but we ended up staying um, in the UK for about 10 years. So, so once we moved back uh, to Ireland, then I was straight into the kind of Irish tennis scene, I suppose, playing all the the Irish tennis tournaments um, and really it just just progressed from there but that was that was the early days I guess the starting point. Yeah yeah how do you think things changed when you did move back to Ireland obviously you had got quite good in in the UK and like do you yeah. think how, how it, was were... very different. it was very different so uh, I mean the setup in the UK obviously the, the you know the money situation in the UK is a completely different setup to, to Ireland so so while I was on you know county squads over in the UK we had indoor courts galore there were indoor courts in you know in the local club Edgerton Priory all the regional squads were in a big indoor centre you know nearby in Birmingham so facilities wise I think was the main difference that we noticed when we moved back so <laughs> we moved back to Limerick in 1984 and um, you know couple of local clubs are you know very good tennis clubs Catholic Institute and Limerick Lawn uh, tennis club we would have been in but you know no indoor facilities anything like that and um, so so quite quite different in in terms of facilities and and, and really at the, that stage as well there wasn't really a structure in terms of squads or anything like that locally so there was no I don't think there was any Munster junior squad at that point in time or even an Irish junior squad at then so it was very much up to yourself to organize everything um, up to your mum and dad to organize it mum tells you know stories of trying to get me matches you know with the men in the local club that kind of stuff but really that the huge thing for me and I think critical to my tennis development was having my brother Ross particularly who was two years younger but basically the same standard as me and having him as a sparring partner at home um, and about, about two years after we moved back to Limerick my, we put a tennis court actually in our back garden so so that was massive so I had a sparring partner and I had a court outside the back door. So, you know, I have no, no excuse really. So even if we had only had 40 minutes or a half an hour, you know, with no floodlights and when we came home from school, we'd go out and do our half an hour, 40 minutes. And I think that was critical. I, don't, I think if I hadn't had Ross as that sparring partner to play with, I don't think I would have gone where I went. You know, that was um, so important. Um, and then, you know, obviously I, for a variety that I would go into to Limerick Lawn and, play some of the the adults in there I kind of progressed quite quickly as a junior then I was sort of getting to kind of winning senior tournaments at 14 15 so I had almost outgrown the kind of junior scene really by my mid-teens um, so it was important to get more variety there as well so so yeah where I could I played with the men and the men in the tennis club really was yeah what I did to progress from there yeah so yeah yeah, no, because I was interested to to ask about, you, know, you mentioned Ross there as kind of being obviously important to, to your development. And like, I was interested um, to ask about that kind of effect that, that the, you know, your brothers did have, because obviously Connor, I guess, was a few years behind. But yeah, like, how, yes. how, 
yeah, how big do you think that was that like I guess it was like a, sp a sparring partner and I, but like you kind of spurred you on as well like to try and stay yeah, better than them I, you know younger yeah, than I'd you like kind of coming up the two of us spurred each other on really I mean Connor Connor was a different age group really I mean he Connor's nine years younger than me so so my kind of serious tennis practicing days you know in my teens and that he was too too young to be involved in that really so I think he got the benefit of the knowledge of everything that we went through <laughs> um, but in terms of him sparring with us no that didn't happen but but certainly for me and Ross um, you know it was fantastic to have each other and, and we were really 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 lucky to have that and for sure it had a huge huge impact on my tennis career definitely yeah yeah and you know, obviously even you mentioned there like how you would have gone and, and played some of the, the adults in the local clubs and, and I think that that's a great thing and even as we we're recording this I think it's yesterday that the announcement came out from Tennis Ireland yeah. about the IT the you know the world tennis number and and, and I, mean, I guess it's promoting yeah. that that kind of thing of of it doesn't matter what you know what your gender, gender or your age, age. With, yeah. which I think is yeah. is great to to bring yeah. that in and see that used more widely and I guess it, it's your, your story is kind of you know it's kind of it's an advertisement almost for, for the success of yeah. that model. And, and I mean, there were, you know, some guys in the club who were very happy to play against me. And <laughs> my mom was actually funny because this morning we were, I was talking to, to my mom about this new, this new rating system. And we were saying, you know, you'd be able to play with any gender, any age. And uh, she was, she was remembering back in the day, back in Limerick Long, when uh, she was trying to get me involved, I think in one of the men's ladders or something like that in the club. Uh, and there were a few, <laughs> there were a few people in the club who objected to it probably you know you can kind of understand that they probably didn't fancy playing a 13 14 year old girl and maybe losing but yeah I you know I I hope that this new this new ranking system will work for that but I, I think mostly you'll still still end up playing competitions within your age group and you know your, your own gender but if it could I think for internal club events it could be great you know for um yeah for getting more variety and more match play so yeah I hope I hope it works yeah I was interested to see it over the last couple of days yeah definitely. yeah yeah and then just to, to to bring it back I guess a bit more generally to your junior days well what, what kind of other as you got a bit older and maybe you were competing even more what, what other memories do you have of, of those junior days yeah so I mean I mean fits, I mean when we arrived back in Ireland that that uh, 1984 I think it was in August 1984 the first tournament I played was was junior fits in Ireland so that was literally about a week I'd say after we moved home and that was the under 12s and I got to the final of that and lost to a girl called Michelle Egan that I'm sure a lot of your listeners will remember and myself and Michelle were good sparring partners there for a couple of years I actually played her in the under 14 final the next year and lost again and that was our first, both of our first year under 14 and then our second year under 14 I won that year I beat um a girl called Suzanne Kelly in the final, uh, who's a good friend of mine still to this day. And then the year after that, that kind of year, and when I turned 14, I, I improved quite a lot. I got a bit physically stronger, bigger. I was playing, you know, starting to play adult tournaments, you know, got picked on the Munster senior team, that kind of thing. And actually that first, my first year under 16, I moved up and played the under 18s. I'd been doing quite well, sort of in senior events. And we felt I was ready for the under 18 event actually and, and my first under 16 I got to the final um, of the under 18s I lost to Jenny O'Brien in that and then my second year under 16 I actually won the under 18 event so so yeah so I, I you know I progressed quite quickly and in my teenage years was playing um, obviously senior interprovincial and uh, all the junior international stuff uh, and then when I was 16 I actually got picked on the senior the senior team so my first um, senior cap I played okay. a triangular, a triangle for the triangular event, and then subsequently my first Fed Cup the next year was my first year. I think first under eighteen. I was still sixteen, 
uh, would have been 17 later on in the year and I got picked for Fed Cup that year that was in 1989 so yeah so quite kind of quickly progressed in those teenage years and, and made quite a lot of progress at that time so yeah so yeah obviously getting picked for Fed Cup um, was a huge thing it was a big year for me 1989 I got picked for my first Fed Cup as I say but I also got to play Junior Wimbledon that year so that was my first year under 18 so I mean, Junior Wimbledon is something that will stay with me forever. Amazing experience for, you know, people out there who don't know. It's on the second year or the second week, I should say, of the main event. So you're on the courts. The other matches are going on around you. So the junior events are out, uh, out on the outside courts alongside the other, um, the other events. You're in the same kind of change room areas, same eating areas. You know, an amazing experience. A little bit overwhelming in, in some ways. I know I played... An Italian girl in the first round who got to the final subsequently. And I had a good game with her. I lost five and two. Uh, but I remember just feeling very distracted in the match. You know, I don't know if people, people know the outside courts in Wimbledon. There's people walking everywhere, hanging over the fences. And it was just uh, very overwhelming, but like a, a great experience. And uh, I played in the doubles as well. And actually won, won a round in the doubles um, over there. So, um, so yeah, that was a, a very memorable week. And then a couple of months later, then I went up to my first Fed Cup, which was really quite an incredible experience in those days. And I know it's called Billie Jean King Cup now, but back then the Fed Cup, and this was the last couple of years that this happened, uh, the Fed Cup was held in one venue. So every, uh, every team from around the world came to one venue and played a knockout event. So uh, in 1989, I got to go to Tokyo in Japan for the for, for Fed Cup, which was just amazing. I, I look back now and go, wow, uh, as a 16-year-old, I probably thought, oh, shit, this is, this is the life of a tennis player. This is normal. But when I look back now, wow, that's amazing. So we were a team, myself, Leslie O'Halloran, Jenny O'Brien, and our captain was Bernie Griffiths. And we went over there and we played. We played in that. Um, and that was as I say, just amazing. And we were there, you know, with all the top players playing alongside us. So Rancho Sanchez, who would have been one of the top women in the world at the time. Chris Everett was still playing. Martina Navratilova was still playing. They were towards the end of their careers then, but they were still representing USA. Um, so just to be mingling with those people was, you know, amazing. So um, so the, the next couple of years, actually the next year, so that was 89, 1990 then, I was doing my leaving cert that year. And I didn't actually get picked on the Fed Cup team that year. And then after that, 1991, I played every every year then until 2001 after that. So uh, I think 91, we were in Nottingham. And I think that was the actual last year where they had it as a, a world group event where everybody went to one venue. Um, and again, Steffi Graf was there at that one. Um, incredible stuff. And after that, they they compartmentalised it. They broke it down into regional, Euro-Africa zones and all of that sort of stuff. So, but yeah, uh, Fed Cup was very special to me I always you know particularly enjoyed it if I look back at my tennis career I would say my my happiest tennis memories were Fed Cup Fed Cup trips they were a lot of fun and I, I love the team aspect of it you know you don't always get that tennis is a very singular individual sport oftentimes your only supporters are your family at the side of the court so to play in a team environment you know was really special I really enjoyed enjoyed those those trips and I think that's why I played well at Fed Cup and, and have you know a good record in it so yeah um, yeah good times yeah no that, that's really good and I, I didn't realize uh, about the Fed Cup how, how that was done those first couple of years of bringing yeah. everyone I never realized um that, that, that that's amazing. crazy and especially going, going all the way to Japan I guess only 16 Japan, was yeah, yeah 16 something else yeah. yeah so when I look then, back now I, yeah. I appreciate it now looking back I maybe didn't appreciate it quite as much when I was 16 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and on Fed Cup, like I know obviously you did play for a lot of years, as you said, and played a, like a lot of ties and a lot of wins along the yeah. way. But in terms of yeah. Fed Cup, do you think there was obviously, you know, playing for so many years, you would have got to play with a lot of different players, kind of some people would have come and gone kind of throughout the years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would have been different captains. I imagine was it was there a, a specific year or kind of campaign that would you kind of look look back at as 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 a favourite from from all those years? Uh, there, are, there are a couple. So that that last year in Nottingham, we had so I I kind of I had I sort of I spanned I suppose a couple of different eras of players. So there was initially when I played, you know, there was the kind of the Leslie O'Hallorans, the Siobhan Nicholsons, um, those guys, and and when we played in Nottingham that year in 1991. That was the last year that it was a you know as I said everybody in one venue we we lost in the first round to Greece I remember but we actually got to the final of the consolation event so we we went on and won another four matches after that and we had great team spirit that year it was Siobhan Nicholson and myself Leslie O'Haller and I think Fiona Long from Limerick actually was on the team that year as well so that would be a memorable one just because we kind of got through to the the final of the constellation so we were there on the last day playing you know a match you know uh, with with people watching so so that was a really good one um and then and then the kind of subsequent years after that there was one particular year we were in la manga in spain i was myself and yvonne doyle i think karen nugent and kelly ligan possibly so that would have been later on maybe i'm going to say 98 something like that and again like that we got to the kind of qualif- the playoff match we had a good run you know won four or five matches and got to the playoff match and I just remember that particular one and um, Pete Lowther would have been the captain in those kind of mid-1990s years and he, he was great great captain and we had um, great rapport there so there would have been a few of us around that era so myself Yvonne Doyle, Karen Nugent, uh, Claire Curran as well would have featured kind of regularly at that time as well as Leslie a little bit earlier on and, and, and Siobhan and then there would have been the odd other person who would have maybe played one year but we were the kind of core group I suppose um, through those kind of mid-1990s years so um, yeah so look we I really enjoyed it but they would be kind of the two standouts I guess La Manga which was you know obviously a lovely venue as well I don't know if any of you know it it's down in South Spain it's a, a very nice kind of holiday resort and tennis academy kind of set up down there so it was lovely and um that 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 year in Nottingham, obviously, where we where, where we did well. So yeah, they would be kind of two of the standout ones there, I guess. Yeah, and I guess just to to change it a little bit and, and just look at kind of more general of, of kind of the, the professional tournaments playing some of the kind of the, the futures of satellites, like how different is that to the highs of the Fed Cup? Is that is that kind of tricky then to, yeah, yeah, to, to go to that? Yeah, so what, what I did was when I when I finished school, I I was obviously playing very well around that time. So my I, I think I probably peaked really in my late in my late teens, and and I did my leaving cert, and I decided to defer. I got a place in UCD, but decided to defer for a year to play tennis and just see see how I got on and go full time and play. So I went out and played, and look, I was totally on my own, <laughs> traveling most of the time. Shimon Nicholson was playing a bit at the time as well. We we tried to kind of coordinate to go to a few tournaments together, and and I had you know some success. On my highest ranking was four seventy, so I so I did okay. I think I would have benefited from somebody traveling with me, a coach, something like that. I was very much um, kind of a lone merch, uh, load agent out there on my own. If you looked at girls from the other countries. They all had kind of entourages with them or they were traveling with groups of players, a coach with them, all of that kind of stuff. Whereas um, I was there on my own. Actually, there was a, an interesting trip. I went on to Algeria um, in 1990, I think late night, kind of September, October 1990. So it was one of the first ones I went out on. And uh, RTE, so Caroline Murphy, who was a produce, sports producer in RTE at the time, 
her, she's mom of actually Shauna Rourke and some of the guys and uh, tennis player guys. She traveled with me actually to do a kind of a documentary on the week uh, in the life of a, a touring tennis player. And she came with me to Algeria, which wasn't the greatest of venues now, I have to be honest. It was um, it was very run down, very kind of poor, poor area, not great facilities at the club, terrible hotel. Uh, there was one particular night where we woke up in the middle of the night to find sewage had flooded the hotel. We had to change hotel in the middle of the night. The place was a hellhole, basically. Uh, but Caroline got great, uh, got great coverage for the week of this, you know, not very glamorous lifestyle of a girl out in her own playing on the tennis tour. But I actually did quite well that week and I got to the final. And But I do remember, you know, preparing for the final match and I had to go and knock up on the wall, you know, as my warm up. So that kind of summed up my sort of touring tennis experience was very much a kind of a solo, solo effort. Um, and, you know, I guess different to the experience that my brother Connor would have had, I guess he got the benefit of the knowledge that mum and dad gained from me going out on my own and struggling yeah. a little bit. And that really you need to have somebody with you and you need to have somebody traveling with you. But for them at the time, it wouldn't have been possible to travel with me. I was the oldest of four children. They had three younger children all in school. Dad was working. You know, there's no, no way they could have they could have gone and traveled with me or anything like that. And I probably didn't realize that maybe you, you, you kind of need somebody with you. But, uh, you know, having said that, I did it. I did it for nearly two years. I traveled all around the place. It was a fantastic experience. I, I you know, I got to two two ITF finals, uh, singles finals. I won two doubles events, um, ITF, got to 470. So, so not bad, but when I look back, I think I probably would have done better if I'd had kind of a proper structure around me and a proper setup like that. And I think one of the reasons I did well in the Fed Cup and the team events is because I did have that structure there. You know, there was a coach there. I had a team of people there kind of supporting me. And I think I played better when I was in that environment. Uh, and I often look back now and I think, would I have benefited from probably maybe going to the States and going down that route? Possibly I would have. But at the time when I finished school, it kind of there weren't that many people going to the States at the time. A moment, my mum and dad were quite sort of, oh, I think you should go to UCD and get your degree from UCD. So there was a little bit of that. But by the time it came around to Connor, kind of things had changed. A lot more people were going to the States. And, you know, if I look back as a kind of a regret, not really a regret, but I think maybe I would have benefited from the college experience um, uh, in the States, that team sort of environment, I think would have would have suited me. But but look, no regrets. So I did it for two years there and then I went to UCD um, and did my degree. And after, I, I, But I still continued to play a lot while I was in UCD. So the summers or the you know holidays, I would have been away playing. And obviously I played hugely in that, that whole period in the Irish domestic circuit. So, and I, I, you know, I was very successful in, you know, the home, the home events, the Irish close, I won it five times in a row and generally won all of those kind of local events um, that we have here over that period. So I think we don't really have the same kind of thing really now in the summer here. So there was a huge um, kind of local tournament tennis scene in Ireland at the time and players would come from all over the place there would be a huge uh, English contingent would come over and play Australians from everywhere really um, and at the time I guess the tournaments had a lot of sponsorship back then they were sponsored by the drinks company so Heineken Carlsberg would have been the big sponsors then and the prize money was really good actually so um, it was quite kind of a lucrative circuit June July August in Ireland going around and playing um, all the tournaments so uh, and they were enjoyable. They were fun too. So, um, so yeah. And, and the standard, as I say, was good because there were a lot of players came from abroad and, and played as well. So, I really enjoyed that element too. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no, there's a lot there that I'm kind of interested in. And I was I was going to ask about that U.S. college kind of 
I guess it wasn't yeah. such, such a kind of prominent thing at, at the time yeah. that was kind of an option for you but I was interested to ask about that because like I know you did then go to UCD and, and kept playing but there's on, on that kind of the the domestic tennis and like playing all all through the summer and all those tournaments of of the Irish domestic tournaments because like I know at that I guess it would have been a similar time maybe like your Owen Casey that that kind of thing like it would mean a lot of the guys yeah. guys and, and girls kind of playing a lot of that so like what, what do you think's changed I guess you mentioned a couple of things but what, what do you think has changed in that respect to now when that isn't really the case in, in the same way well, I think sponsorship is, is a huge, is a really big thing, right? So um, I, I think there isn't, there aren't the sponsors there anymore to put up the money for those, um, for those events. I mean, you're talking literally from the 1st of June to sort of the end of August, there was pretty much a tournament every week back then. And, you know, the prize money was really good. You know, you're talking about 1,800 to 1,000 a week for winning the singles, plus more money for doubles and mixed doubles. So, you know, it attracted people to play. And, you know, like anything like that, you know, if, if people are playing in it, it kind of breeds the event. And most of those tournaments also had, you know, the tag on events where they had, you know, the class two events or the, the veterans event. And they had all that other stuff going along. So they, they became big events, not just for tennis, but for socially, socially as well. Um, and that, that seems to have died a little bit, which is a pity. I mean, you even see it in the, in the junior tournaments a little bit now. It's not, not the same as it was. I'm going to say back in the day, um, but, you know, there was a much more kind of social element, I think, to tennis, tennis tournaments back then, whereas now it's pretty, you know, fairly people just drop off their kids at the tournament and as they pick them up straight after the match and they're gone, whereas back in, back in those days, you would have been left at the club for the day and see you later at six o'clock or whatever. Um, so, so it's a little bit different. But in terms of the senior tournaments, yeah, sponsorship, I think, is, has been the thing that's really kind of killed them off a little bit. I know there are still some events out there, but it doesn't seem to be anything like the level it was back in the kind of 80s, 90s when when I was playing them, for sure. No, and I guess what you say on the junior events as well, like that's something that I would have heard from a lot of people that, you know, th those junior yeah. events were kind of a highlight, like a big highlight for, for, for those people back when yeah, they were absolutely. younger. And, they, you know, as you say, that they, they'd spend the day out and with their friends and play a match during the day and it'd be a huge thing yeah. whereas then that's not for various reasons that's not, not the, kind of the case now and uh, you know if I if I look at my friend group now so who are my closest friends now they're all tennis friends actually they're the they're the people who I've remained kind of close to and and friendly with are the, the crew I hung out with in my in my junior tennis days so um so it's a pity I think that that's been lost a little bit I have children who play play some of the tournaments now as well like that and you know they've made some friends through tennis but I just don't see that it's the same uh, yeah head down to the tennis club and hang out there for the day and and maybe that's not the, the right way to do it either but I guess it's just times are different now I think people are busier more scheduled maybe got 20 other things that they're racing off off to go to um, compared to, to how it used to be back back then um, and you know I think uh, people are a lot more sort of coached and um, arranged now than they used to be. Whereas back in those days, you'd go down to the club, you'd be messing around, you'd playing on the wall, you might go out in the court and play with somebody else for, you know, 20 minutes. There'd be a lot of other interaction rather than just just playing your match, then getting out of there and maybe having a private lesson with somebody. So it's a different different environment now. But yeah, no, that, 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 that's another topic that I was kind of interested mm -hmm. to touch on was that idea of coaching. And I guess, like, like perhaps when, when you were younger, it wasn't all about coaching, whereas now it kind of, it, it you know there's a, a yeah, lot of coaching and there's, there's a lot less chance to compete yeah a lot less chance to compete and I think you know I think that's something that and I know Tennis Ireland looking at this now they brought out this new Tennis to Ireland tour now and, and it's obviously a pity nothing has happened 
in the last 12 months, really, it's, it's a shame because I think that's something that's really critical is match play. And there definitely isn't enough of it uh, here in Ireland. Compare, if you compare it to, to the UK setup, and, and certainly Connor would have uh, gone over and got involved in that a lot when he was a junior, you know, in the winter time when you're down in Limerick. And I, it's a little bit different now. They do have some weekend events, but certainly when Connor was playing, there was nothing um, junior-wise going on, you know, outside of the summer kind of tournament season. So he went over and played a lot of weekend events in the UK. And they have just humongous number of tournaments on all the time, every week, every week of the year. And I, I'm hoping that that Tennis Ireland Tour, Junior Tour um, programme will, will, will increase the amount of match play that juniors have. So I think you just learn so much from, from playing matches. You can, you can practice till, till the cows come home, but really the proof is in the pudding in the match. So and you learn a lot learn a lot about yourself um, and learn a lot about winning and and losing you have to learn to lose too yeah no I, I do think as you say that that's such a big ingredient that we do need in kind of the tennis environment almost of, of having a lot more competition and, and obviously as you say like the, the new tour coming in and I think that is something that's you know going to be brought in more which is yeah. really good to see like it is definitely a, a really important part of really important yeah and look it's it's difficult we're we're small small country small pool of people but I think you know I think it's 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 definitely doable and facilities wise I think things are improving a lot there you know there's a lot of club, clubs being really progressive um, on course surfaces and that sort of thing and that's you know something that uh, I think has been damaging to Irish tennis you know the whole artificial grass thing over the last 30 years you know it's definitely not and, and I say that now, the court we had at home in Limerick was an artificial grass tennis court. So <laughs> I did did play a lot on artificial grass. But if you look at the continent or any other country in the world, nobody plays on artificial grass. It's not, not considered a tennis surface at all. In fact, the only other place I saw it was Japan, bizarrely enough. <laughs> they, they seem to use it a bit over there because they get a lot of rain. Um, but, you know, there's been a lot of advances in, in court technology and all that. I'm really happy to see there's quite a lot of clubs now starting to put down, you know, the all-weather clay and you know and other options there so uh, and hopefully we'll see more bubbles and more indoor stuff going in because I think that's really really critical um I can't stress that enough uh, the indoor facilities because uh, I know playing with my own children down in our local club nobody wants to go down in on a Saturday morning in January and play you know in the wind and the rain it's just it's not conducive to wanting to play uh, and doesn't encourage people so you know that's I think something that's critical really for development yeah clay courts indoor courts kind of the big two yeah. takeaways they're there. the big two yeah. takeaways there I think and, so. and, yeah. and just to, to move on a little bit then um, and I guess you mentioned kind of the, the setup in England a bit and I know that at, at some point kind of during your career and, and when you were still playing you did work over in, in, in Millfield School in England and um, kind of you, you coached a bit there so how, how, how was that experience working there and in tennis yeah it was really good what happened was I had after I finished UCD I, I played for another couple of years and I, I started to struggle a bit with injuries and in 97 I think it was I had a fairly serious I had, had an issue with my foot for about a year I was getting a lot of pain in it I was getting physio tendonitis cortisone injections uh, and really struggling, struggling with it. And eventually I ended up having an operation on it. And they found a little piece of bone that had become dislodged and was sticking into a tendon. So there was a reason for the pain. Uh, so they took that out. But in those days, I guess the rehab isn't quite as good as it, now, it is now. I was put in a hard cast for three months. Uh, came out of that. It took me quite a while to kind of get back, get back to stuff. And in the meantime, I decided I'd do my coaching exams. I did the level one and the level two. And, and then I, I felt I wasn't really quite ready to go back out and play. Um, so an opportunity came up to go over to Millfield School, which is over in Somerset, 
um, and it was kind of a, a, a coaching slash hitting role, I suppose. So Millfield School, for those who don't know, is a kind of a very uh, well-known sports secondary school over in the UK and uh, would be well-known for producing kind of Olympic swimmers um, athletes, that type of thing. Facilities are ridiculous. They're like a university uh, campus, um, an Olympic pool, uh, three indoor tennis courts, you know, gym rooms, the whole lot. Um, so, you know, nothing like you'd see uh, anywhere here. Uh, so I thought, look, that'd be a great opportunity to go over, try and get my kind of fitness back a bit. And also to see, try and, see, you know, I was sort of coming towards the end of my tennis playing days really anyway. So to see if coaching might be something that I would be, uh, would be interested. So I went over there and I spent 18 months working with their kind of performance programs. So they had some performance players there. And in fact, Connor was actually there. Uh, for some of the time that I was there, he he went over and was was a, was a student there for his. He did his A levels there actually, and uh, so he was there for a little bit of the time that I was there. And I spent a lot of time just hitting hitting with the good players, working with some of them there, and also they had a kind of a junior school there as well. So working with some of the younger kids as well. So look, I really enjoyed my time over there. But what it what it kind of showed me by the end of it was that coaching wasn't for me. I didn't have the patience for it. I, I yeah. <laughs> I'll say no more. I just not patient enough. I, I was fine to do the hitting and all of that, but I, I could get quite quite frustrated. And um yeah, anyway, look, coaching wasn't for me. So so I had done at, at that point I, I decided I'd I'd give the tour one more final whirl and I went back out for maybe another four or five months and played. And I was struggling then at that stage with a neck injury. I'd had a, a car accident the year before and I got a whiplash. And my neck was giving me a lot of trouble. And I said, look, at this stage, after the foot and the neck, I think it's time to call it a day um, and, and get a real job. So uh, I had done my degree in economics and French in UCD. And I decided to give the kind of office slash business world a try. So, so I started that in 1999. I started working um, for a company down the IFSC. And, you know, I've changed, I've moved a couple of times since, but yeah, so I'm still, I'm still working in financial services now um, that much later, but in terms of coaching, no, I haven't really stayed involved in it. My own kids play a bit now. I play with them and uh, they probably say that I'm quite a strict coach. So <laughs> patience level wouldn't be great there either, but yeah, so no, I haven't stayed involved in a coaching perspective. I am still very involved in tennis in terms of, and I don't know if you're aware of the international club which I'm president, president of at the moment. So the International Club is like, uh, it's a club. We're, I'm president of the IC of Ireland, I should say. So the International Club was established back uh, in the 1920s over in the UK um, as a kind of a camaraderie and friendship club for people who played internationally and people who played overseas for their country. So the first IC was set up over in the UK back in the 1920s, followed by kind of France and the USA got involved then. And Ireland set up its own IC then um, in the 1997. So it's nearly 25 years ago, uh, set up by uh, Peter Ledbetter and Brian Lawler, two former Davis Cup players. So I'm actively involved in that now as president. So we, what the IC does, we, we play fixtures against other IC clubs every year. So maybe four or five fixtures a year. We'll either have host clubs coming over or we'll go over to other countries and play against their clubs. And it's mostly a kind of an older crew, I suppose, a veterans type scene. And we do have with members from all sorts of backgrounds, really. Uh, the one prerequisite is that you must have represented Ireland um, at some level. So that would be either junior, senior or veteran. So that, that's how you become a member. So, so that's my kind of tennis, tennis involvement um, these days. So it's more off the court. Um, but, I, you know, I'm still actively playing. I, I'm still playing league, winter league, summer league, all of that kind of stuff with Monkstown Tennis Club in Dublin. I'm still enjoying it. I enjoy the doubles more these days, uh, more than singles. So, yeah, that's just an age thing. 
yeah, you know, it, it's, it's it's great to you know, hear about that international club. I wasn't really aware of that, but it's it's good to hear about that. And obviously that you're you are still involved in in tennis um, a good bit. So that, that international club, I guess, is not so much right now. But from like in terms of like what, what what kind of stuff are you putting on? Maybe like during the year, is that going to be a there's, there's yeah, a lot so of going on for you? Yeah, so it's, it was a bit of a disaster. Last year, obviously, we didn't have any fixtures at all. And that was the same globally for all the international clubs. They didn't have any um, didn't have any fixtures. And we really hoped that we'd be able to do some this year. But it's not looking likely. So I don't know if you're aware of the Potter Cup, uh, which Ireland won in 2019. Our men's team won the men's Potter Cup. So the Potter Cup is an IC, an international club event. Okay. So we were hoping that was going to happen again. It was cancelled last year. We were hoping it was going to happen this year in May. But I've just heard in the last couple of weeks, it looks like it's going to be pushed to October now. So I'm hoping it goes ahead in October, but we'll see. But other than that, it looks like this year, to be honest, I think we're probably just going to be having internal events if we can. Um, so hopefully maybe September, October, we'll have an, uh, an IC of Ireland. And we try and do that every year anyway. We tie it in with our AGM and have kind of food and, and play tennis um, as a group. And that's... I think probably the best we can hope for this year and hope for 2022, which will be our 25th anniversary that we'll have uh, been able to host some host some clubs and, and, and play some matches against people. Good stuff. Uh, and just a couple more questions. I guess, firstly, it, what, what do you think was your your, your best win at, at any stage uh, throughout, throughout tennis career? What, what, is there kind of a win, a best win that, that would stand out to you? Oh, a best win. Well, I mean, the best tournament wins obviously were the Irish clothes. I, I don't know. I mean, the most famous person I ever played was probably Amanda Kutzer, who would have been, a t- would have been I think her top ranking was five. And I played her in Fed Cup one year. Uh, she was playing for South Africa. It was the first year South Africa were let back into the Fed Cup and they had to start kind of lower down in the Euro-Africa zone to build themselves back up. And we played against them. And I lost that match. So I can't, I can't claim scalp over her or anything like that. But I guess my two ITF finals, you know, I beat some good players along the way there. None that anybody here would would know so no you know no top name no no top name players like that but I guess my junior Wimbledon doubles win um, and then obviously the domestic domestic wins that I had yeah and in terms of some of maybe some some advice that you, if you could go back and give yourself some advice maybe your teenage self maybe like your, your 16 year old self going off to Japan for the Fed Cup what, what advice do you think you'd give to yourself back oh, then if you could? So, well, my, you know what, my, my late dad used to say, uh, youth, youth is wasted on the young. And I think I find myself saying that to my own children now. You know, you don't realise when you're when you're a, a young person, you probably don't soak things up as much as you should. And it's only when you get a bit older and you look back and you go, wow, that was amazing. What a you know, fantastic opportunity I had. I had to do those things and great times that were had. And it's funny, I was talking to somebody recently about, they were saying they were having a leaving certain nightmares still. And I said, well, actually, my... My nightmares are always tennis nightmares. So my recurring uh, bad dream is that I wake up in the night and I and I haven't practiced. I'm, I'm you know I have to go play a match and I haven't practiced, haven't prepared. So it's very deep, deep in my psyche, tennis, and I think always will be. So yeah, so it's you know it's had a huge, a huge impact on my life and and all for the positive. I think it's um, you know a fantastic sport. We can keep playing it forever. Um, you know, and I, I certainly have no regrets about anything that I did. I think, you know, if yeah, if I was going back again, I think, you know, like Connor, I think got the benefit of that a little bit of, you know, having that experience of, you know, going out on the tour on your own really just doesn't work for anybody. I don't think anybody can do that. And um, so if I was going back again uh, with the benefit of hindsight, would have done that differently. Uh, and maybe I would have gone down college tennis route in America. I think I probably would have done quite well at that. Um, and I would have thrived in that kind of team environment. So I think they'd, they'd be the main thing looking back. But, you know, you know, at the end of the day, no regrets. And, 
you know, I had a great career and, you know, a lot of fantastic memories and, and friends out of it as well. So, yeah, only good things. <laughs> and I guess that kind of leads me on to a final question of well, what was your favourite thing about tennis? Oh, my favourite thing about tennis. Um, I think it's, a, you know, it's a great sport overall. I, 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 you know, I know I'm biased, but when I watch sport on television, tennis is, I think it's the best sport, you know, from in terms of athleticism, thinking you know independence all of that that stuff you know team events you can you can hide a little bit or you can rest for a little bit you can't do you can't do that in tennis so it's a fantastic sport mentally um as well as physically so yeah so look it's to my mind it's the best sport but you know i am a bit biased well i don't think i'll agree with you on that one but but maybe a bit a bit, a bit biased as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah no good stuff uh, really good and you know i think Jimmy, that that's about that's about it for for that um, a, a big thanks for for, for coming on and talking. I really enjoyed getting some of those stories and some of those thoughts on, I guess, Irish tennis and how things maybe have changed a bit. Um, really interesting. And yeah, no, a big thanks for coming on. No problem, Adam. Thanks a million for having me. A huge thanks again to Gina Nyland for her time, for coming on to the podcast. It was really great to get to chat. I think Gina has a really good tennis story, a really good journey, a lot of good tennis experiences along the way that she shared with us. And I also really enjoyed getting her insights into the game as well especially here insights into irish tennis a big thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast if you did enjoy it i'd really encourage you to comment to subscribe to leave a review for the show it really does help so a big thank you in advance and also to share the podcast i hope you're all doing well and looking forward to getting back to tennis in just a couple of weeks as as much as i am Until the next episode, I've been Adam and goodbye.